Welcome to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. This is a weekly series that showcases the world of sports with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college sports. From the recruiters and players to the teams and coaches, we've got it all covered. Now, here's your host, Coach Hurley Brown. Voice America, Voice America, how's it going? Well, it's not Hurley Brown today. It is, once again, the Nick Foles of Voice America Radio, Kelvin Harris, subbing in for the uh, Venerable Hurley. Um, spring practice has started here in Florida, so, you know, he's back with the kids, making sure that they're going to be good this year. And so I decided to uh, help Hurley out by uh, sub-hosting today. And, you know, uh, it's an easy topic. Really didn't have to do much research uh, other than what I did this weekend, and that was just simply watch the draft. Although I must admit it was a big weekend outside of the draft. You had, you know, obviously uh, the Avengers endgame, and then, of course, on Sunday night you capped the weekend with uh, probably the most epic television scene uh, uh, battle definitely in, 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 in cinema and in, in television history with the Battle of Winterfell on Game of Thrones. But I digress. Let's talk about this draft. 2019 draft you know that's going to be the topic of discussion today and you know we want to start out by looking by by going back and uh talking draft overview draft superlatives and whatnot and you know the big theme of this draft first of all we have to give a shout out to nashville tennessee 200,000 people every day on broadway street it was amazing uh, they basically took a busy street and turned it into an arena, um, and it was beautiful. I mean, and, and well, you know, the beautiful thing about it is, after the festivities were over, every you know, the, the two nights and the one day, all of those people could just slide right into a local bar, which was basically right on that street. You know, all of the major uh, country stars right now have uh, venues on that street so whoever your preference was if you were in the country music uh, most of them have some type of uh, watering hole there so you could replenish your fluids and maybe get a, a bite to eat while listening to your favorite music and watching uh, NBA playoffs right there on that street so it was a one-stop shop and they did an excellent job the first night it was a little rain it didn't deter the fans it was a great experience, and fans from all over the country and representing every team showed up all three A's. Um, Vegas is going to have a tough time topping Nashville. But, of course, every year we say that because Chicago was great, Philly was great, Nashville's been great. You know, and let's just be honest, Vegas will be great too. Vegas could be over the top. I mean, I'm just I, I'm curious to see how they're going to set the – set the whole thing up. I just, I don't know if they'll be able to get 200,000 people in a, in, in a confined area like, um, like they did in, uh, in Nashville. But it was a great weekend. Um, the theme of this draft, at least the first round, was defense. A record number of front seven players were drafted. I believe it was 15. And four of the first five were defensive players. Uh, front seven players, you know, after the first pick, which was Kyler Murray. Then you had Nick Bosa go to uh, San Francisco, uh, Quentin Williams to the Jets, Cleland Farrell to the Raiders, and Devin White, a linebacker, to the to the Bucks. And then, of course, with the, and then actually five of the first seven, because then you had the anomaly pick, which was um, – Daniel Jones to the Giants. We'll get into that in a minute. And then you get um, the guy that should have gone to the Giants, uh, Josh Allen. No, no, not that Josh Allen. Not the Bills. Josh Allen from Kentucky. He should have been the Giants pick, but he ended up going to Jacksonville on the pick after that. Um, There was, you know, I think the first, when you analyze the first five picks, because realistically, when you go in these drafts, the top of the draft is where you look at to see, 
you know, the success of the draft each year. And on the 30th anniversary of the greatest top five selections in the history of a draft, you know, the one with Troy Aikman, Tony Mandridge, Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, and Deion Sanders, that will never be topped, by the way. Four of the five went to the Hall of Fame. Um, Barry Sanders, there'll never be another Barry Sanders. There'll never be another Deion Sanders. Um, there's some guys who, you know, you could say Von Miller is similar to Derek, Derek Thomas, but he was the first of that generation, just a straight, pure speed rusher. And Troy Aikman, uh, if you go central casting, he is the prototype of what a pro quarterback even though it's changing a little bit still is what a proto a, a prototype of a pro quarterback looks like tony manage was the outlier and all that but look he still had a productive career he started uh three four years for indianapolis despite the first four years and then they did a 30 for 30 on him or excuse me an e60 on him um the week of the draft and i didn't last Sunday, actually, and I did not know that um, he took off three years. I just, you know, I remember him playing with the Colts, and then, you know, they, they, they talked about how he hit rock bottom, pills, addiction, and he fought it back, and he came back, uh, and he was, he was a, you know, he played mostly guard, but he was productive in Indianapolis. It was a solid starter for him, a playoff, on playoff teams. So, I don't think we'll ever be able to compare this year's draft, front top five draft picks to what uh, happened in 89, but um, we could get some productive guys. I think Nick Bowles is going to be a solid contributor. I mean, you look at that defensive line already with um, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, and... um, Solomon Thomas were the last three, you know, four straight years they've drafted a uh, defensive lineman, and then you throw in they brought in D Ford. They're going to be pretty. They're going to be pretty stocked up front. Forrest Buckner had twelve sacks last year, so he's turned the corner. You'll probably see Solomon Thomas play a little bit more inside. I think he'll probably take Eric Armstead's place, but they'll have a three-man rotation there. And then you got D Ford who'll be able to do what he do. And Nick Bozer will be your left end more than likely. Um, he's, uh, six, he's not as big as his brother. He's 6'3", 270, 267, 268. Um, I think my biggest question about Nick Bozer and the pros is can he stay healthy? Because he had a little bit of an injury bug in high school, and then he got nicked up last year and missed, well, decided to sit out the remainder of the year after the third game. So um, we're going to, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he can stay healthy. Um, Quentin Williams, a plug-and-play guy, they already have Leonard Williams. Uh, There's been some talk that they'll be in a 3-4, but Greg Williams is um, traditionally been a 4-3 guy. So if that's the case, You've got your two defensive tackles for at least another five years because Leonard Williams is, you know, has been a solid player already in the league. You you pit him with uh, Quentin Williams, the Williams brothers. Ah, uh, they didn't really catch that until just now. But you put the Williams brothers on the inside. You're not going to run the football on them, and you're going to get some excellent pass rush. Um, the Jets, you know. They 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 probably needed at some point. They got to figure out how they're going to protect Sam Donald. But Adam Gase is um, is a crafty guy. He's creative, and he does a good job with his quarterbacks. So you know, but you couldn't pass up on Quentin Williams. There wasn't anybody offensively that matched him on the draft board, and he will change your defense. Or I should say, help change the defense. And then um, a draft pick that raised a few eyebrows, Cleveland Farrell. It's not that he's not first, apparently not a first-round talent, according to the so-called pundits. It's that he 
didn't rate as high on the board of most people, high enough to be drafted number four. But when you pay attention to the defense that the Bengal or there is the Raiders, their, their defensive coordinator is um, Paul Gunther, and he runs a traditional four-three defense. Who needs a defensive end that can play the run as well? And he, Farrell, was more suited for that than Josh Allen because Josh Allen's never put his hand in the dirt. He's more of an outside linebacker. So going to the fifth pick, which was um, Devin White, plug and play makes perfect sense for the Buccaneers. They just lost Quan Alexander, and now they replaced him with a similar, similar, same school, similar type guy, faster type guy, bigger guy, 240, 4-4, He fits everything they're looking for. They're making the switch to the 3-4, apparently, with uh, Todd Bowles, and he came from a similar one-gap 3-4 scheme that did a lot of blitzing. So he'll be able to cover what's in the middle of the field, tight ends, backs, and he'll also be able to su- 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 supply some run support as well as some crafty blitzes. So the top five, that's that's a quick overview of the top five. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're rolling up on a break. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the draft, uh, go over some more first-round picks, and, of course, get into – the um, the elephant in the room, Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants and their pick in the first round, right, the sixth pick. So I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back, and we're going to talk more NFL draft here on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call into 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Voice America Radio. We're back here on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm your co-host or your host today, uh, Kelvin Harris, subbing in for the venerable Hurley Brown here on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. And before the break, we were talking NFL draft, and I'd just gone over the top five picks. Well, let's get right to it, because it is the controversy of this draft, and it has been making headlines all weekend. It started on Thursday night. Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants. Pick the guy who, realistically, they could have got who should have been drafted in the third or fourth round. They get this guy, and and they pick him up with the sixth pick. And Dave Gettleman has been trying to justify this pick since it happened uh, today. He came or last night he came out with, you know, hey, you know my track record, like that Kevin Durant type like statement. You know who I am. Well, no, we really don't know who you are. I mean, I don't know. Did, did, did Dave Gettleman play any football? I mean, yeah, he's been a scout, and okay, and you know, to his credit, he did a pretty good job with uh, you know the roster in uh, Carolina. But um, 
you know, he wasn't alone. The guy that's the GM in Buffalo right now was a main part of um, that that process. As a matter of fact, that guy felt like he was a bigger part of that process than uh, he was given credit for, and he left because he felt he should have been the GM. And then on top of that, the guy that's the coach, McDermott, you know what I'm saying? His, him and Ron Rivera's philosophy helped with a lot of that defensively. You know, um, some organizations have the coaches participate a little bit more than others. You know, I talked to a couple of my friends who are in the league, in the league um, right now uh, before the draft, you know, about some of our University of Miami players, and a couple of them were like, well, these guys not even on our draft board. And it's like, you know, some just, they let the scouting department, the personnel department tell them who's on the board. They evaluate what's there and they go from there. Some are a little bit more involved, especially in Cincinnati where their scouting department is, is a skeleton crew. The coaches have to get way more involved in scouting players than in, in, in any other organization. That being said, I got a chance to watch Daniel Jones for three years because um, he was a ACC quarterback at Duke and he played Miami every year. And I'll say this, he's good. I mean, he's 6'5", he's 225, he's athletic. He had a game where he ran for 186 yards. He's mobile. Um, he doesn't make many mistakes. Um, he's pretty much accurate. But when I think of him, I don't think of a guy that you can just drop the whole weight of a franchise on his shoulders and he's going to get you 450 passing yards, toss four touchdowns, maybe run for one, you know what I'm saying, make a big throw when you need it. I, I look at him and I see a young Alex Smith. And, I mean, I don't want to disrespect Alex Smith because he's become a really good professional quarterback but Alex Smith is not going to win you a Super Bowl especially Alex Smith now because he probably may never play again but an Alex Smith type quarterback who just basically doesn't like I think it was Todd McShay said this there's nothing it wasn't Todd McShay someone on the ESPN draft um, telecast said that there's nothing about Daniel Jones that wows you and there's also nothing about his skill set that is uncoachable. And what they mean by that is Dan Olowski who said that, former quarterback in the NFL for many years. What he means by that is, like, I'll take Michael Vick. Michael Vick had a skill that was uncoachable. There's nothing you can do to coach that skill he had. And that was just pure, raw speed. I mean, Michael Vick was a 4-2-40 guy. That's rare. No one is, you know, you had RG3, who ran, three, excuse me, who ran 4-2, 4-2-5, But he didn't even, he, he had the, the, the straight line speed, but Michael Vick had straight line speed and amazing side-to-side -side lateral movement and quickness. Stuff that you can't coach. Um, John Elway, Jay Cutler, even Drew Locke. Drew Locke, I use him because he's in this draft, has an arm that you can't coach. Extremely strong arm. Tyree Jackson, kid that didn't get drafted. That should, uh, matter of fact, perfect example. When I look at Tyree Jackson and I look at Daniel Jones, you know, I watched Buffalo a few times this year. If you took Tyree Jackson and put him with Duke, they're a better team than if Daniel Jones is the quarterback. And if you took Daniel Jones and put him with Buffalo, Daniel Jones might not even get drafted. I mean, he doesn't do anything. And actually, I believe it was Dan Olowski who said this again. He was good in college, but you're asking him to be great in the pros when you draft him number six. And that's something that he's never been. He wasn't that in high school. He wasn't that in college. And now you're asking him not only to be great with that number six pick, but to be great in the metropolitan New York City area. I mean, you've destined this kid to fail. I mean, 
And then to make it even worse, instead of giving him a blanket, I like he doesn't. You had Odell Beckham, arguably one of the top three or four receivers in the game. You trade him away, and for what? <laughs> I mean, some check down possession. You got Sterling Shepard and um, um, the guy from Detroit, God, a Golden Tate. Nobody's stretching that defense. So the the plan is to run the ball and throw uh, quick outs. So what's going to happen is, because, you know, my good friend Warren Sepp says this all the time, NFL defenses are the fastest changing and growing amoebas in the whole world. So you're going to come out with Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate as your receivers, and they're going to go press coverage and put an extra man in the box, and they're going to force you to throw to Evan Ingram down the field. Well, another thing about playing in New York is that stadium and the wind, the way it swirls in the stadium. I mean, I, I want to be positive here, but it's hard. Now, I will say this. With his other two picks, they're pretty good picks. Dick, they run a 3-4 defense. They, for whatever reason, got rid of Snacks Harrison, who was uh, a grown man and a half. You know, he's 360 pounds. He was pretty mobile and agile for his size. Well, they replaced him with Dexter Lawrence, who is Snacks 2.0. I mean, we're talking about a grown man, you know, 36 reps at 225 at the combine on a 340-pound frame, 350. I mean, he might have weighed in at 342 for the combine, but I'm pretty sure when he went back to Clips and he put back on his normal, you know, 350 pounds. So a 350-pound man running a five-flat 40, that is an un coachable skill. <laughs> Coaches had nothing to do with that. That is Dexter, the grits and eggs and the biscuit and the bacon that he's eaten growing up with his mom and his family. But he's an excellent pick because he's a run stuffer who will give you a little bit of pass rush and he can run sideline to sideline, chase the ball. Then they get DeAndre Baker. Now, um, historically, Dave Gettleman teams run 4-3 defenses, and they play mostly zone defense, cover two. DeAndre Baker is excellent for this defense. Now, he's a ball player. You don't want him in, you know, singled-up press man coverage a whole game. He's not a blazer. So if you put him out there against, um, well, hell, Amari Cooper, God forbid you put him out against Deshaun Jackson, he's vulnerable. But if you keep him in cover two, allow him to, to 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 roll up and hit people in the run game, and react, you got yourself a very good corner because the kid is a ball player and he's an athlete. Not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, but he's a good ball player. Um, but let's make no mistake: the seventeenth pick and the thirtieth pick, which was Lawrence and Baker respectively, are not what people will be judging this draft on. It will be the sixth pick and Daniel Jones. And right now, as of today, the Giants fans, a lot of them have guns in their mouths because they're just, they're just distraught. <laughs> because not only do you bring Eli Manning back, but then you don't, you don't have a credible successor in the eyes of most NFL um, analysts and experts. So, you know, that's questionable. Looking looking at the whole entire first round, this is the most questionable pick, hands down. Now, will he be the biggest bust of the first round? I don't know. He's on the he's on my short list. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Daniel Jones becomes a serviceable backup in the league. The guy that's on my radar, there's two guys that are on my radar for being the biggest bust in this draft, and that's Rashawn Gary taking it the 12th pick by Green Bay and Andre Dillard, I believe, is the 21st pick by the Philadelphia Eagles. The reason why I'm going to go with Rashawn Gary is because Andre Dillard is really, when you look at the, the, the depth that the, um, the Eagles have at tackle, they already have two respectable tackles. Uh, Jason Peters will get some Hall of Fame consideration when he retires, and Lane Johnson, who is solid, and he's been solid at right tackle, who pro 
probably will move over to left tackle when Jason Peters finally quits. And then they got a Samoan kid that has replaced uh, Jason Peters over the last couple of years when he's you know been injured. So they're solid at tackle. So Dillard may get to play some guard. He'll get a chance to, to hone in. He's he's not a need a pick of set of need or necessity. He's um he's a type of pick that a team like Philadelphia makes when they've gone in and they've gotten most of their needs in free agency or they still have the talent on the roster. Um, but Rashawn Gary's gonna have to play right away. And I gotta be honest with you, when you watch film on Michigan. And you look at him at the left end and Chase Winovich at the right end. The film says Chase Winovich should be the first-round draft pick. He is a poor man's Nick Boza. He's not that big. He's maybe 255, 6'2", 6'3". But he plays with great leverage, an extremely high motor, and he's got a repertoire of pass rush moves. Gary, on the other hand, is the all-Jane team member, or excuse me, the all-Tarzan uh, team member who plays like Jane. Um, last year, Nick Bosa played three games and had four sacks. Rashawn Gary played 11 games of 12, no, 11, yeah, 11 games and had three sacks. What's wrong with this picture? Well, he's six, four and a half, six, five, 280 pounds, and he runs a four, five, eight, forty. I mean, he is a physical marvel, but it doesn't translate to what you see on film. And I just think the Packers have made a big, big reach, a bigger reach than the Raiders made at number four because Cleveland Farrell had 11 and a half sacks last year. Some people don't think he can do that at the pro level because he's not a super explosive athlete. But, hey, neither is Chase Winovich. But I think he's going to be a difference maker because guess where he got picked to what team? The Patriots. So they'll be able to use him in in the proper way that he needs to be used. Gary will be playing in a 3-4 defense, you know, similar to what he played in in Michigan, but you saw how that worked out. So I'm just not, I'm just not convinced. Um, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk more NFL draft, go over um, some other picks, some other teams, uh, draft boards, and, you know, talk about who I think the winner, winners of this draft were and losers, and also talk a little bit about the underclassmen who came out. So we'll be right back after this quick break on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. 
To reach our show today, call into 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, Voice America Radio family. We're back here on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm your host today, Kelvin Harris. The Nick Foles of Voice America Radio, subbing in for my man Hurley Brown, who is out there on the practice field as we speak, making Merritt Island a champion again. So, back to this draft. I was saying that my um, my pick for bust of this first round was Rashawn Gary. Looking on the flip side, Rashawn Gary, um, I said Rashawn Gary also said um, Andre Dillard. But it's definitely Rashawn Gary at the top of this list. Um, and then I guess I guess you'd have to say, you know, Daniel Jones, I guess, would be in consideration. But I'm drawing a line at the top of Rashawn Gary because he's got bust written all over him. I mean, you know, Friends of mine that actually coaches a uh, coaches a position in the league, and a couple other people have uh, said that he has some prima donna in him. And I know a couple of people that were on the Michigan in the Michigan program. Uh, he he does have a little prima donna in him, but he was a big time recruit. And you know, be honest with you, Jim Harbaugh was terrified of his mom. So um, he pretty much got away with um, a little bit too much, I think, in my opinion. Now, on the flip side, I think my, uh, and it's at the same school, as a matter of fact, my vote for best pick and the breakout player, possible Hall of Fame candidate out of this first round is Devin Bush, a teammate of Rashawn Gary and a classmate as well. I watched this kid play since he was in Optimus Ball down in Broward County. And, you know, it's funny because I remember him being in my one of my old college teammates' house watching film and all this. And then I, I remember watching uh, when they won the state championship at Flanagan, him and actually two of his Michigan teammates were on a team with him. And then, you know, defense, they just were, you know, excellent. And I thought he was a great linebacker in high school. Uh, I knew that he wasn't going to University of Miami because his his father, Devin Bush Sr., who played in the league with the Falcons and the Browns and the Rams, would have chopped his hand off before he let his son go to the University of Miami or Florida. And the ironic twist is Florida State defensive coordinator didn't want to offer a scholarship and they were late to the party on this kid and um Jimbo Fisher realized it and stepped in personally and talked with you know Devin Senior and Devin Junior but it was too late. Jim and all Jimbo Jim Harbaugh had already jumped in and basically uh had offered the job to the father and that led to the son coming and I remember watching him as a true freshman you just you saw the instincts the way he's able to shoot gaps and blitz. And he also ran a 4-4-40 at uh, 235, I think. Yeah, he's up to 235. He can cover the tight end. He can cover, you know, you're, you're talking about a kid that covers three strong, um, whether that be the tight end or the back. Uh, he can fill the hole. He can, you know, he spent this past off season learning how to, pass rush off the edge so he can give you that plus he's an incredible blitzer he times the blitz up well he is a plug and play for 10 years what they lost in Ryan Shazier they now get back with Devin Bush with a little bit more girth a better body type for that 3-4 uh, inside linebacker position looking also Quentin Williams has a chance to be really good too um, I would probably go more so with um, Devin White at Tampa Bay because 
once again, he fits the defense. They lose Quan Alexander. He is a plug-and-play Quan Alexander 2.4. And once again, you get a guy that blitzes well. He's probably a more definitive pass rusher off the edge because he did it more in college. And better yet, um, he has that 4.42 speed, a little bit faster, a little bit bigger than Devin. But it's it's like having, you know, you can't go wrong with either one. Like, if you switch the two, put D. Bush in Tampa and Devin White in Pittsburgh, I think it doesn't matter. I think both of these kids could be Hall of Fame players if the chips fall where they may. You know, if 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 the if the defense if if, if the coaching staff is is, is 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 solid and they don't have too many changes, I really think both of these guys have Hall of Fame potential. Looking up and down the front, I'll tell you another guy who I think can be. Not a Hall of Famer, but I think he has Pro Bowl potential because of the scheme that he's playing in is Christian Wilkins, the 13th pick with the Dolphins, because he will be their Richard Seymour. He is scheme versatile. He can play the five technique. He can play the three technique. He can be a zero technique. And with new coach Brian Flores coming from New England, you're going to see basically New England South with the Dolphins. They, they'll they be implementing from a defensive standpoint and offensive the the, the schemes and, and, and game plans that you saw in New England because Chad O'Shea is the offensive coordinator. Now, we can't mention the Miami Dolphins without mentioning the biggest story of the first round. And that's what I want to touch on right now. Kyler Murray, the number one pick. Steve Kime and Dave Gettleman are battling out to see who is um, you, who gets the Fred Sanford You Big Dummy Award of this year's draft. Because Dave Gettleman, I mean, I'm not going to even go back into that pick. But then Steve Kime, first of all, Steve Kime may get a reprieve because it started when they hired Cliff Kingsbury as the coach, a guy who as a losing record as a coach at the college level in a bubblegum conference that doesn't play any defense. He never, he didn't even make it to the the conference championship game. He was on his way to be a coordinator at another uh, conference that doesn't play any defense, the Pac-12. And now all of a sudden, the owner feels like, well, I want, I want a high-powered offense too. So instead of making him the offensive coordinator of the new coach they hired, they make him the new coach. So once he was hired as the coach, it was crystal clear who their pick was going to be. Now they tried to bluff it and smoke screen it, but nobody in the league was buying that that sandwich. I mean, come on. And then when you look back what they got, or excuse me, what they had to give away to get, uh, Josh Rosen, because remember, they traded up for him. They gave up a one, a three, and a five for this guy to go to get up to the 10th pick to draft him. And now you trade him away one year after you, you know, threw this kid to the Lions. You gave him no running game. You gave him no offensive line. He had no pass protection. And, oh, to make matters even worse, he was playing with arguably the worst defense in the league. So instead of allowing the coach, Steve Wilkes, to get his people in place and, and go into offseason and put some pieces together, what does Steve Kime do? He fires the coach after one year. Yeah. Why does he fire the coach? Because he knows that if he don't fire the coach, they're going to put the blade across his neck. So now you're stuck trying to peddle uh, Josh Rosen because you can't. And, you know, for people who say, well, he's only going to be paid $6.2 million over the next um, three years. Will you keep him as a backup? No, you can't keep him as a backup. If you've never been inside of an NFL locker room, you don't understand the dynamics of that alpha male which, you know, on the offensive side is the quarterback. Well, 
quarterbacks are like delicate flowers. You got to put kid gloves on. You got to treat them differently. They have two guys running around there as top ten picks a year apart at the quarterback position. You're basically asking for trouble. And they knew they had to move him, and the rest of the NFL knew they had to move him. So, and then here's what complicated even more. Nobody really needed quarterbacks other than the Redskins and the Giants. And the Giants wanted Daniel Jones, and the Redskins' owner, who makes the pick, wanted Dwayne Haskins. So there's no market. Well, maybe you can convince Denver. Nope, because they were locked in on Drew Locke, and they played their cards right because he dropped to them in the second round, 32 picks later than what people thought they were going to pick him at with the number 10 pick. So it just went awry for them. So they ended up trading Josh Rosen to the Dolphins for a um, second-round pick and a fifth-round pick, I believe it was. So going back to the Dolphins, they won't get a, they won't get a chance to draft Tua. Tagalavoya, however you say his name, from Alabama next year because I really believe in the system that Josh Rosen is in, he's going to excel. They're not going to make the playoffs, but I think he'll do just good enough to keep them out of the quarterback sweepstakes because he's going to show a lot of potential with Chad O'Shea um, and Jim Caldwell. Uh, now the key is Laramie Tunsil and the rest of the offensive line have to protect him and the defense has to, uh, you know, stop somebody. But on the outside, the future looks bright for the Dolphins, and this makes their draft look even better. I can't say the same for the um, for the Cardinals, who went out and they got Andy Isabella, the fastest guy in the draft, a few other receivers, Deshaun, uh, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, because they're trying to get these receivers out there and they're trying to throw the ball. Well, they didn't get any offensive linemen, so we're going to see how that turns out. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up, you know, you know give worst and best drafts, and uh, call it a day. So we'll take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to close out this episode of the Get Down with Hurley Brown on the Voice of America Radio Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. It's a spring triple threat on the revolution with Jim and Trav this week as the boys talk hunting for alligators, bears, and hogs. Oh my. Joining the boys is Travis T-Bone Turner from Michael Waddell's Bone Collector, Wildman Kip Campbell of Red Arrow, Yamaha's own Steve Nessel, and Trey PK of Voodoo Crew on Outdoor Channel. Jim and Trav's spring triple threat discussion is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. After years of waiting, there's a radio show for shotgunning enthusiasts worldwide. Tune into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation for the very best in wing and clay shooting talk. Join Marty and his guests as they bring you hunting and shooting information that you can use. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned pro, this show can be your go-to source for wing and clay shooting information. Listen live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. On the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call into 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to the Get Down with Hurley Brown 
at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, Voice America Radio, we're back here on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm your host today, Kellen Harris, the Nick Foles of Voice America Radio. I guess I can't use that moniker anymore because Nick Foles is now a Jacksonville Jaguar. Uh, so uh, uh, I guess I'll go back and I'll use the Jeff Hostetler. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are too young to know what that means, Jeff Hostetler basically was Nick Foles before Nick Foles. Is he... Um, substituted for uh, Phil Sims in 1990 when they won the uh, that second Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills that Bill Parcells has on his resume. And so after that, he actually did the same exact thing that um, Nick Foles did. He cashed in on his, his championship, and he actually did it the year after. He didn't wait. You know, he didn't have to wait for a year. He came back the next year, and he uh, went to the Raiders. So... From now on, I'm the Jeff Hostetler of uh, Voice America Radio when I sub in. Now, getting back to the draft, wanna want to talk about one thing that's kind of uh, on a down note. And it's how many underclassmen didn't get drafted, came out early. It was a record number. I believe it was 44. Um, and it was like 140 that went early. That's a horrible percentage. I mean, 30-some, I think 35%, I believe they said it was, close to it. You can't, a little under 35%. You can't, you know, the kids have to know that, and I posted this on my Instagram page um, at the beginning of the weekend. This is everyone's dream but it can quickly become your nightmare if you don't understand how to, the, 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 what I call the game of the draft in honor of uh, Game of Thrones. Because just like Game of Thrones, it is a game, a, a serious game. It's a business game. And the NFL teams take it as that. And, you know, one of my friends who was an agent, he always tells me his business partner used to say, the NFL is looking for something for nothing. So you don't go to the combine to get drafted higher. They're taking you to the combine to see why they can clip you down lower so they don't have to pay you. So, you know, you you got kids who are listening to the wrong people. And, you know, the, I know kids, they, they don't trust their coaches now. They're thinking the coaches want them to come back so that they can help him. But the reality is, these coaches, it doesn't help a coach if he's consistently um, pumping out players who don't get drafted or get drafted low. It's saying something about his program. And so, you know, that's why they ask you to, you know, put your name into the NFL uh, advisory board. And now they've even changed the way they do it. They used to, they used to give you one, two, three, four, five round. I think it went first, second, third, or fourth round. Now they just go first round, second round, go back to school. Because it was to the point where if you told a kid he would go possibly get drafted in the third or fourth round, they'll take the chances. Well, that's your best case scenario. But you got to understand something. There's only 32 picks in that first round. So between the first and second round, you're talking about 64 kids who are going get drafted and uh, you know second round is rarely get get cut so you're talking about job security first and then third round if you can slide down to the third round you have job security but you cost yourself quite a bit of money so if it's 64 spots you're looking at and there's 30, 40 guys that everybody's seeing coming off the board. That's a small margin for you to be wrong. And then if you got any type, we had a kid at University of Miami uh, this year who had some off the field. It wasn't baggage. It was Samsonite luggage. And he went from being a low second to early third round pick to not even being drafted. Now, by the way he's reacted, it's kind of obvious that he knew this was going to happen, but it's still a tough pill to swallow. You know, this is supposed to be the most exciting period in your life. It's a game 
changing, life-changing event, not only for you, but for your family in, in, in a lot of cases. And then for it to go from being that to you don't hear your name called in seven rounds, three days of selections. And then right after the draft, you have people calling your phone like it's recruiting all over again. And instead of getting, you know, six-figure bonus, maybe seven-figure bonus, they're offering you five, ten, fifteen thousand at the most. So it's a humbling experience. And I'm just saying to the kids out there, be careful when you make these decisions. If you're not, if you're not fast, if you're not certain that you're going to get picked in those first couple of rounds, you need to go back to school. Um, hopefully, the kids this year will learn from the ones last year or this past year and won't make that same mistake. Um, of course, I am uh, being a little bit too optimistic because this mistake has been going on since the beginning of uh, underclassman eligibility for the draft. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm probably talking to deaf ears, but um, it's it's worth putting that message out there because to see. And then, you know, ESPN had cameras in about four or five guys' homes who didn't get drafted. And that's a painful situation. You got the entire world looking at your you know, your failure in some aspects. So I just wanted to put that message out there to the kids. And I need, you know, and to the public, you know, if you have a, have a relative who's in this position, you need to, you know, weigh all of the pluses and negatives. I mean, if the kid's not going to run a super fast 40 times, he's not going to pitch a lot of, he didn't have great stats, his body type is not right, stay in school and get better. I want to thank uh, Voice America family for uh, you know listening to the show today, and thank her for allowing me to uh, sub informed today. Um, I'm thinking Hurley will be back next week. If not, if he calls on me, I'll gladly come in and put my helmet on and try and move the team, score some touchdowns. Well, I'll just you know, and on on, on that level, I want to say thank you and uh, have a great weekend. And um, I guess um, until next time, uh, it's all about the U Pains for Life. Enough said. Thanks for tuning in to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. The coach wants you to join us again next week, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another great show ready to roll next week.